This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 60 of Press Pass. I'm your host, Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host, Joshua Perry, who is back from the West Coast, where he was, of course, Uh, doing coverage for the Big Ten Network for the Rose Bowl, which ended up to be a spectacular game between Wisconsin and Oregon with the Ducks coming out with the victory. I will have to say, Joshua, this was one of my favorite bowl games this season. Yeah, to be honest, I think there were a lot of good bowl games in the higher profile games. Uh, The ones played around New Year's Day I thought were really impressive, but this ended up being a great game. You know, there were some moments in there that were questionable, but uh, we'll kind of talk about that. Overall, though, there was a lot to take away from this game and kind of some of the games surrounding it, so I was pretty impressed. What was your favorite part about covering some something so traditional as the Rose Bowl because we all know all the pageantry that surrounds it and you know where they play so what was your favorite part of coverage that week so it's interesting I covered the Rose Bowl last year when Ohio State was playing on the media side so I actually got to go out there um, with, on, on the radio side with 97.1 the fan here in Columbus Ohio I enjoyed it I think it's great in terms of how they treat media members. Um, Obviously, the players always talk about their experience. I'll get into that a little bit later. But just for us to be out there in California, coming from the Midwest, where you get a little sunshine, the weather's better, uh, plenty of stuff to do in your downtime, it's awesome. Um, And I think that's a part of these bowl games, especially some of the bigger bowl games that aren't in the playoff. You know, some of the New Year's Six games, they want to do a really good job of impressing the media members and and making sure the players have a great time so people talk about the games and they still love and respect them. I think the Rose Bowl is second to none with that. But this year was a little bit different because, you know, we were really interested in covering Wisconsin, whereas last year when I went out with the fan, you know, I was doing radio shows during the week, so we weren't sitting there at the player interviews and going to media days and, you know, spending time and, and doing features on specific players. We were just doing our jobs. And one of the really cool things is the way that the players talk about the Rose Bowl game. And Mm -hmm. even if it's not a a playoff game in a specific year, the Rose Bowl is still the granddaddy of them all. Players are hyped up on both sides. Um, You know, it's just it's one of those experiences that you wish you could have. And I never played in one as a player. 
Um, and it was largely because of the playoff format, but it was a super special experience. And it was really fun for me to watch those guys have fun out there and, you know, ask some questions about their experience because I know it's something that they cherish. It was funny because I was looking back at, you know, when those Facebook moments pop up on your Facebook mm-hmm. and guess what popped up on mine when we covered you guys in Ohio for the 2014 college football playoff. Now the semifinals were in New Orleans Remember where you guys beat Alabama? Yes. So I had a thing pop up on my timeline because this is taking me to what you just said about it. it's kind of fun to interact with the players. And it popped up where we made Jeff Hireman take the mic and go around and like interview all the, you know, his teammates and stuff. And then he actually, we told him not to, but he went up and like interviewed Urban on the podium Lord. when he was speaking to everyone. And it just, it made me laugh though, because I loved like being able to do that kind of stuff with you guys and to get players, I think a little loose and just, it, it doesn't always have to be X's and O's the entire time you're there. I think that's such a cool part of college football when you're able to do that. I, I tend to, I tend to agree with that. And, and during the season, as you all know, like, Media availability during the week or after games is so dry and it's all about football and can you preview your opponent and what about last week's tape and da 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 And then you get out there and you're absolutely right where, you know, it's a bunch of football players in the room with a bunch of media members and you get to roam around and ask questions and get to know some of these people. And um, I know a lot of the networks, local and national, want to do features on these guys. So they're trying to get a beat on their personality. So maybe during the off season, when they choose to do something, they know which guys they want to uh, feature. And it's, it's really, really cool um, seeing how everybody players and media members really loosen up and get to know each other. And, and um, I think that's, you're exactly right. That's what's awesome about college football, because a lot of times in the NFL, it is, it's strictly business, but bowl games are when it's supposed to be fun in the sport. I have a quick question for you uh, on the lines of that. Just but with you being a former player, you know, not only in college, but in the NFL, do you guys have preconceived notions about the media? And when do those, I guess, when do those thoughts about, you know, media as a whole change with certain individuals as, you know, they continue to cover you? I think it's interesting. I think a lot of times um, when the freshmen come in, you know, a lot of them will be open for the media uh, during training camp whenever, whenever. And they always tell you, be careful, uh, make sure you don't give out too much information or make sure you you know and trust who you're speaking to and this and that and the third. And so a lot of guys go in there thinking that they shouldn't okay. trust the media okay. um, because they'll put out a bad story or they'll, they'll misconstrue their words or whatever. And I'll, I'll say two things on that is number one, as a part of the media, it's not, we, most people are not here <laughs> to embarrass college players and then second off like part of the onus is on you as an athlete to make sure you're saying things in a way that they can't Mm -hmm. be misconstrued when somebody writes a story but as we spend more time um, as we do more interviews as we get to know like you know we knew you and we knew Dom and we knew Jared Smalley and like Clay Hall and all like we knew all these people we knew the guys from 11 Warriors and um, you know they know now know the guys from Letterman Row like these are media outlets that are always at the yep. media availability. And so you build a rapport and you Yeah, build no, trust. I agree with you. I think it's just kind of, you, you guys are taught, I think from a young age, you know, right when you get in college, it's like, okay, the media is bad. The media is bad. Watch what you know, watch what you do. And in some of it is, and some people do take things way outside the lines of what it should be. But um, I think it is just about building trust, finding those people that you do really trust. Uh, because when it's all said and done, 
like, listen, I've gone from covering kids in high school to college to now in the pros. I have relationships with all those people to this day. And it's because I was able to build a relationship yep. with them and they were able to trust me because I have never done anything, um, you know, in terms of taking something outside what it's supposed to be. And I think all media people should be that way because the only time they're not that way is if they're trying to get the big story and they're trying to get attention. And it's not about getting attention. It's about telling the facts, sharing the facts, sharing stories the right way. So, And I, I agree with that. And I think one of the, like, we all have our sources, for example, and it yeah. comes from those genuine relationships. But I think the the reputable media members can put in their work that their unnamed sources yeah. told them something. And when it happens, then they don't have to tell who their source is or they don't yeah. have to be inflammatory. And as you know, it's just a part of good reporting. Like you have to build rapport, obviously, with the people that you talk about in the media, but you also have to build a rapport with the people who follow your work too. So like, you know, instead of trying to build credibility right off the bat by naming some of your sources and then you have jaded relationships and you can't build, like make sure that your sources can confirm what you're looking for and that it's accurate. And then you don't have to harm the the audience, the viewing audience, you don't have to harm your sources either. It's like, it's a pretty simple relationship. Yep. It is. It's, um, it's something that we, we learn like every year you kind of learn something different. You, you, like you said, you continue to build those sources and relationships. So, and you're in the middle of doing it right now. So it's kind of fun for you uh, early in your TV career. I wanted to talk about some of the, the best moments in 2019 for college football. I know we're already in 2020, but we didn't get a chance to do this. So I'm going to start off with one and then I'll toss it over to you. We'll kind of go back and and forth for a minute, but I'll start with something where I think I was traveling for the Titans this weekend. And I can't remember if it was to, I can't remember if it was Denver. I think it was, but I'm like sitting here waiting for my photog to go get the car. Cause we have so much luggage that I have to wait with this big rack of like TV stuff. And I'm scrolling through my phone, trying to keep up with this um, South Carolina, Georgia game, because lo and behold, you know, number three, Georgia is supposed to sit here and like crush South Carolina in this game. And I'm watching my phone intently because the Gamecocks come up with this awesome <laughs> beat down in double overtime and take down number three, Georgia. It was, it was pretty incredible. It was really fun. Even though I wasn't watching it like in a, on a TV, it was actually interesting just following it on Twitter and all the people that were, that were watching the game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that was one of the games that really made us start to look at Jake Fromm through a, an extremely critical eye. And, and yeah. you know, he was really up and down this year. I think he ended on a high note in the bowl game, but probably not the year he was expecting to have. And a lot of us were expecting him to perform a lot better. But uh, that was definitely one of my favorite moments. I'm going to keep it in its recency bias, but both of my favorite moments come from the end of the year. The first one was the Ohio State Clemson semifinal game. And uh, yeah. my Buckeyes lost that game, but that became an instant classic. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, just the battle, good on good. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, struggled at times throwing the ball. And he he started running it. And Etienne struggled to get yards on the ground, but he was a great receiver. And, um, you know, Justin Fields looked as vulnerable as he looked, still played a decent game. And, um, you know, J.K. Dobbins battling through an injury um, and both defenses coming up with huge plays. I mean, it was like, I, and I, to be honest, I don't think we saw defensive football like that 
all year long. And the offense was still pretty good in that game, but it's, it's just one of those where we'll look back in five, ten years and we'll be like, oh my gosh, this is like, look at the amount of NFL players that played in that game. Look at the talent that was out there. Just, you know, a game that had real consequences for the winner and loser, like such a good football game. Yeah, no, and I, I, first of all, I mean, we, I think I mentioned the Rose Bowl being a great game, and it, and it definitely was, but that that had to have been one of the best ones of the bowl season as well, and and I guess it makes it it's it's obviously bittersweet because Ohio State, you know, wasn't able to come out with the victory, but like you said, it was just such a good game, and it'll instantly go down as a classic that you know you had you had to say, hey, it was enjoyable, definitely to watch. I think for everyone, I will say my next one isn't a game; it is actually we'll keep it Ohio related. It is actually Ohio native Joe Burrows, and obviously LSU's quarterback this year, who has had a phenomenal year and um, clearly still has the national championship game to play in. But it was his Heisman speech um, that really, I guess, related so much to just everybody out there, um, not even just your average college football fan or your average football fan, just related to so many people. I mean, he got up there, he got emotional in terms of talking about a lot of stuff. And then he, you know, he sat there and he mentioned, which I did not know, the area that he is from in Athens, Ohio, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of poverty and kids aren't getting, you know, food. People aren't being fed in terms of, you know, because of the poverty level and stuff. And I couldn't believe it. And then I think he ended up raising like 500,000 plus dollars. What was that for the food pantry or the, the, yep. it was, I mean, pantry. it was really incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a story and absolutely incredible. Um, I, I did see that they're up over a half a million dollars in funds that they raised. And um, that, that was really Something that hit home for me as well, being an Ohio guy, but like driving home yesterday from South Carolina, my route took me through Athens, Ohio. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's 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 a blue collar area. There's not a ton going on, but good, hardworking people, as Joe yeah. described, and kids who always deserve an opportunity. I'm, I'm a big advocate for children. I have a charity. Um, we work with kindergarten through eighth graders in central Ohio. And I, I always think that every kid deserves a fair shake and an opportunity, and it's never their fault. Um, what circumstance that they're in. And and so I thought it was really special how he took his platform and used that to advocate for kids in his area. And so in kind of in that same line, I'm going to stick with a speech. And it comes from the other side of Joe Burrow's um, semifinal game and Jalen Hurts after mm. his game. Yeah. And I that was real for me to hear the way that he spoke about his team, because I think he had personal goals, obviously, of being a championship quarterback. And, you know, he was a hero at Alabama. You know, he also missed an opportunity at Alabama. And he went to Oklahoma and told Lincoln Riley when he went there that he was going to lead the team to a national championship. Mm -hmm. And the thing that stood out to me is a lot of times when you mess up, you have chances to go back out there and fix them. And he said, this is one I can't fix. He said, I'll never play college football again. And I think the raw emotion that he shared after that game and just the leadership that they always talked about with him, but like truly being an example of that and how he felt like he let his team and his coaches down um, and just taking that one. And probably a guy who's not going to be uh, a really highly sought after NFL prospect, yeah. but just like a true teammate, a true leader. And I, I truly don't think we see enough of those leadership traits and qualities and guys who are willing to take 
the full blame and guys who are willing to go out there in the media and accept the fact that they fell short and share the emotion that comes along with that in college football. I thought it was really special. Yeah, I I will say this. There are definitely college football uh, does have a lot of great individual personalities. And sometimes we don't see they're necessarily personalities, but then we see moments like this where, you know, they keep it all together for the most part. A lot of these, these college athletes, they don't, they don't always come out and show a ton of emotion, but then I think it's, it's neat to see these moments where they, they do show it. And it it does show how much it really means to them, how much, you know, the, the team means to them, because like you said, you get those how many ever years you stay in college and you play at that level. And then, you know, sometimes you don't go on to the next level. And if you do, it's not a long time or some people have long careers. I mean, everybody's path's different, but to recognize the the moment and be in that moment, um, I agree with you, is really cool to see that from him as well. Okay, I'll give one more and you can give one more. I'll go with, because you just know I love the upset. I just love the upset. And I could not believe the upset this year when Illinois took down the Badgers. Mm, that was a huge game. That was that, that, it was one of the, that was incredible. Amazing, right? It was it truly was. And I'm I'm a Lovey fan. Um, I like the way that he's motivated his team, and and he's he's the same guy, win or loss, in front of the media, um, in front of his team, probably the same way, just same guy. Yeah. But they they came up with a handful of big plays when they needed to. Because it wasn't like it was, uh, you know, they just overwhelmed the Badgers. They just made the plays. Yeah, and sometimes that's all it takes, right? I mean, it, it, no, no it's game, exactly. no game is impossible to win. That's what we've seen in college football throughout the years. Uh, that's what makes it so fun. Okay, what's your last one, Joshua? My last one. Sorry, Wolverine fans, oh, but it was watching <laughs> in Ryan Day's first year and Justin Fields' first season at Ohio State. The Buckeyes going up to Ann Arbor, yeah. and putting it on them, and. In saying that, uh, and this probably goes into one of our later segments, but when are they going to take that next step? Yep. You know, when like when is Michigan going to really announce itself as one of the elite programs in college football? And right now, to me, they're one of the top programs, but they're not one of the elite programs. You know, they'll lose to Ohio State every year, turn around, lose a bowl game. And the expectations are high there. Maybe a little bit unfair because they haven't won a Big Ten championship in a while, hasn't been a national championship in a while, but they're blue blood. They've got high expectations and you want to see them succeed, but they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And then of course, as an Ohio State fan, it's just funny hearing all the excuses. You know? Oh yeah. Well, Justin Fields takes online classes and, you know, we recruit character guys right. and, you know, it's, it's a great academic institution, which I've never heard of general studies. It's neither here nor there, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see at what point, is it because Ohio State starts to fall off or is it sure. because Michigan just can, you know, they, they develop that talent. They actually take that next step that the title turn. But I'm curious. No, and that's that's it leads us right into this next segment, which what we're looking forward to this next college football season. And that's definitely one on my list. I mean, what's going to go on? Will Michigan take a, a, another step? And really, in terms of the step to me that they have to take, if there's any kind of step, it's beating Ohio State. I, I mean, sure. they've got to beat Ohio State at some point, or what's the point of any coach coaching there? Um, so yeah. I agree with you on that one. I will turn it over to where I hail from, the Pac-12, because we spoke about this throughout um, – our season, our college football season here on Press Pass, 
And my big question is, uh, you know, will the Pac-12 improve? And I, and I will give them this. They, they won some good bowl games. Um, but my, my focus really is on the, the, the team that has to be the most powerful in terms of getting attention and bringing this, this conference back towards the top, and that's USC. And they retained Clay Helton. They kept him as head coach. And I just don't know if that was the right move. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was removed midway through the season um, and they bring on someone else. Why they just didn't do it now, I don't know. But um, I am really interested to see how that shakes out. I'm very curious, too. And in saying that with the the Pac-12, like, and I don't want to disparage Oregon's win in the Rose Bowl because they played a, a better game. They played cleaner football than Wisconsin, but if I think Wisconsin was clearly the better yeah. team. The issue was they turned the ball over four yeah, times. Yeah, that was the biggest they, issue. Outside, yes, and outside of the first defensive drive, Wisconsin had their defense was lights out the whole night. And so in, in, in saying that, if it wasn't for some mistakes and maybe a questionable call toward the end of the game, Oregon might not have won that. Like, is the Pac-12, and I'll, I'll get into the next conference because mine is a similar thing, but like, are they ready to take that step? And I, I think the issue is like, Oregon will probably be the powerhouse in that conference. USC is not going to be it. They can't recruit right now. All their yeah. best players are leaving. They're going to Washington and they're going to Oregon. What the hell? You know, yeah. like you, you can't win football. And if you're USC, in theory, you probably only need to go out of state to recruit elite defensive ends. Everybody right. else you can get in state and you could win a national yeah. championship. But they so, but they clearly can't do that with Helton. That's that's no, the whole point. Why no. did they keep them? There's something else going on there. I cannot figure out. And they got crushed in the bowl game. So, I yeah. just I can't I will, <laughs> I I'm I'm, I'm going to get into that. I will put up half a hundred I on. I know. Them. I couldn't barely score 20 points all year. Right? Oh, that was yeah. bad. Yeah. So, and that made me even that that's what triggered it for the most part for me to put this in here too. Cause I almost forgot about that. I'm like time out. What, like, th- these guys didn't even show up to play anything. Like they, they had no pride in anything. <sighs> so yeah, that, that no, was interesting. Bad. All right. What's your next one? What you, what are you looking forward to? You said you mentioned Michigan. Yeah. And, and, and so I'll, I'll kind of keep in the same with the conference deal, but the big 12's got to do something. Okay. You yeah. Know, three times. Yeah. I think like, you know, three years in a row or whatever, they're in the playoff, they lose. Yep. You know, Oklahoma, the poor representative for them. And then Baylor just didn't look good. Those are your top teams now. Texas had a very good showing, but again, it was against the Pac-12 team. People have questions about what their conference was like sure. anyway. So they, they've got to figure something out. And it's, I mean, it, it, it's coming down to winning big games because you feel like they're right on the edge every year, but they've got to really put themselves over the top. But I was very disappointed in how they looked in some of their marquee games. New Year's Six Bowl games, obviously, and then the playoff was just an embarrassment, completely top to bottom. And it showed the flaw in some of the recruiting in that conference because defensively, their DBs have poor ball yeah. skills, their linebackers can't tackle, their defensive linemen just like it's 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 it. And that's a that's a culture thing with their conference because that's not limited to no. Oklahoma. A lot of the defenses in that conference look bad, but they have to do something to be nationally relevant because you can't I go agree. to the playoff that many times and crap the bed. The committee is going to leave you out. Yeah, it's starting to become we, – we joked about it here and there over the past couple of years. Oh, ha, ha, all they do is play offense. Uh, you know, you know the games last forever. And and now it's like a serious, like, 
no, this is a big, like, this is an issue. Like they're making a fool of themselves when they're let into the college football playoff and, you know, they, they play absolutely no defense. So you're right on, on that. I mean, they need to like sit down as a conference and be like, all right, guys, we need to start playing some defense. So let's get our staffs, uh, you know, I guess let's hire some guys that know what they're doing. Terrible. Let's go back to the fundamentals of playing defense. Right. It is. I will say I'll I'll move over to the SEC because I cover it here down in Nashville and I cover Tennessee um, specifically. And Tennessee, I will give this team some credit. After an awful start, they lost to Georgia State, BYU. I mean, it was bad. After all that stuff happened, Jeremy Pruitt's crew did not give up on him, which says a lot about him as a head coach. And they rallied to rattle off six straight wins, including a bull win over Indiana this past week. And they're a program I feel like is going to be on the rise in the SEC. Now, they've got a lot of work to do, but I am really interested to see where this program goes from here. Have they found the right guy finally? I tend to agree with that. I think their their guys played motivated. Um, even when they got down against Indiana, which you know was the game I watched, yeah. I was I was rooting for the Hoosiers. That would have been a huge win for yeah. their program. But on the other end of that, that was a huge win for Tennessee, momentum wise. Um, you know they've got to recruit and develop players. But to me, they're in a position to where they can be successful and win games. I think they're in an area where they can recruit a lot of different places. And what I mean is. Tennessee is not too far from some of the Midwest areas that you'd like to recruit, you know, Pennsylvania, sure. Ohio, um, you know, Michigan's getting a little bit out there. It's not too far. And then obviously you're right there in the South. So you can get guys from Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi, you know, very, very good players that you'll be recruiting in Florida as well. So I think they are on the rise and I, I you're absolutely right. There was a definitive moment during the season where they started to turn things around. It was awesome. All right. Do you have a final one here? Yes. What you're looking forward to? Last one I'll go with is uh, I think there needs to be an overhaul like they tried to do in the NFL um, when it okay. comes to some of the rules and officiating. Yeah. And I'm going to be as bitter as bitter can get when I talk about this because the Ohio State game, obviously there was a targeting, which was it was targeting. And yeah. I've, I've acknowledged that. But I think that is a fault of the rule. There was the the replay reversal of the catch fumble. And then there even yeah. was the uh, – the running into the kicker versus the roughing the kicker, which I'll get into. But for the targeting, obviously the rule is the rule. And by definition, that was targeting. I think there need to be a couple of levels of targeting because unlike a lot of the rules professionals will tell you, I believe you can judge intent of what is a malicious mm-hmm. hit and what might be incidental contact. And I don't think that a play like the one the Ohio State game should be as punitive as it was coupled with that because I was, you know, I, I retired because of concussion, but I was a defensive player. So I'm I'm back and forth yeah. on this issue. On the flip side of that, though, if you call targeting, I think that the player who was targeted needs to come off of the field and be fully evaluated uh, within the concussion protocol. Because if you're concerned about player safety and there was any helmet-to-helmet contact that would result in a player being ejected, then that hit, in theory, should be malicious enough that you would be concerned about a player having a concussion and you should remove that player from play and go through the yep. concussion protocol safety thing. Yes. Yep. The replay reversal, I think, is terrible. Um, and it's it's one of those where replay has hit a tipping point where it was good up to a point, and now 
It interferes with the flow of the game. It also <laughs> doesn't yeah. do its job properly. Yeah. Because you know, you know how it, when you go to a review, it has to be definitive. Like it has to be the absolute wrong call was made and we're going to correct it. Not we made a questionable call and now we're going to do a questionable reversal. Like if it's questionable, it was questionable. Like that happens. That's the game. Players understand that. Coaches understand that. Fans should understand that. The ones that review were was meant for is like, okay, this was definitely wrong and we have an exactly. opportunity to fix it. And then I think there just needs to be more clarity between roughing the kicker and running into because it, there is so much gray area that, you know, it, it just makes it hard. But I would I would love to see something happen with the rules. And it was the same thing. I think the offensive pass interference in, at the end of the Rose Bowl on Wisconsin, if you're a football person and you actually played the game, you would understand that it wasn't necessarily OPI. Um, defenders in college football are allowed to make contact with the players until the ball is in the air. Yeah. And the, the defensive player for Oregon made contact with the receiver from Wisconsin and the receiver lost his balance. He extended his arms and it, it looked like pass interference, like he was trying to block. But I just really think he was trying to keep his balance. As a football play, it's hard. Um, and then even in the um, – the bowl game with Tennessee and Indiana, like that was a great replay situation because, and it didn't matter at the end of the game, but like officiating was terrible. They gave Tennessee a first down on a play that was clearly a yard short. And so I I think there needs to be some consideration for the officiating and then repercussions for poor officiating because it's everywhere. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they sit down and and kind of try to find a way of finding some consistency but because like you said it just especially you as a player I'm sure that you you sit back and look at these things with a lot more you know intensity because you've played the game and it's something that definitely needs to everybody needs to be on the same page um, when it comes to that so we'll see what happens with all the things but I think we had some good ones there uh, of what we're looking forward to seeing next season. Finally, really quickly, I want to wrap this up kind of on a fun note. And we both travel with our jobs. I am um, obviously in local TV and you are in kind of more of a regional network kind of job. And so we both do things a little differently when it comes to traveling with teams and like what we do on the road, because I think a lot of times people think, and I don't know at a different level if it's like this, but I think a lot of people think this job when you travel is really, really glamorous. And again, for some people it might be, but on the local side of things, I've been doing this for like 13 years now. And I've been with a lot of different teams, traveled with a lot of different, um, you know, programs over the years covering things. And it is, uh, it is definitely, it's one of my favorite things to travel, but I have to mentally prepare myself because it's five days or four days, or even if it's just three days of a grind. And it's fun because you're doing a lot of cool stuff. You're getting a lot of behind the scenes things. You're right there, you know, covering the game, but it is like nonstop work. You know, you're, you're yeah. getting up in the morning, you're preparing for shows. Um, you know, I got to get my workout in, in the morning and then, you know, you're getting ready for your shows. You're going in and, you know, covering the teams, covering the games. And then afterwards your job is not done because you're back on TV you know, going over what happened and, and doing a, a rap of some sort. So it's, um, 
I can't explain the feeling because it's so exciting being on the road, but it's also a grind. And when you're done, you're like, oh my goodness, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah, it's a grind. I mean, we've opened up so many podcasts talking about how yeah. tired we are from the weekend. And I, I I mean, I have a ton of respect for people who do this job because I didn't understand like how taxing it really was. But it's, it's a ton of fun. Like, I, I I do it a couple of different ways. I'm typically in studio in Chicago, so like I'm I'm on the set, I'm inside the whole deal. I'm not at the games right. typically, and so I'll hop on a plane. I'll do a show on Fridays. Typically, it's an hour. It's easy. We'll do a little production planning, but nothing too crazy. Um, but Saturdays are the days where we've got to be on standby because we have an on location show, and I'll definitely corroborate what you said. Even at uh, my network, it's we don't have ESPN's budget, so it's not. <laughs> um, it's not super glamorous right. or anything. You know, our our show that we do on the road has a chance of going down just based off of some of the infrastructure at some of the schools and locations we have to broadcast from. So uh, bright and early, I've got to be in there just to, in case we need to do backup. But then we cover all the Big Ten games. And the hardest thing I'll say about that is uh, watching multiple games at once, but also being able to watch games from the noon kickoff all the way up through the eight o'clock kickoff and be focused and locked in and able to um, speak about the key moments in the games and and look fresh doing it at 11 p.m. or at midnight. As you know, that's That's really, really hard. It is. And then there's the flip side of it where I've done a couple where I got to go to the games and we were on location. That's just a completely – like everything moves so fast when you're doing that. You know, you've got to be at certain locations to tape this, and then you've got to be here to tape an interview and – um, you know, just like just everything about it moves so fast. And then you still got to be able to sit there and watch a game live where you don't necessarily have the luxury of replay yeah. and all the different angles and, you know, the commentary that you would have if you were watching it on TV in studio. But it's so. And that's the thing. Fun. And I'm so glad that you're able to like experience it now on the other side, because I don't know what it's the, 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 the tough part for me is because growing up, I always wanted to be like that four star athlete. And God didn't gift me with like that athletic ability. Now I am athletic. I will say that. But I wasn't some like crazy, you know, college athlete that got a scholarship. But I always meant my mental, like the way that I was mentally built, I feel like I was supposed to be that kind of athlete, right? So I'll never get to do that because I'm just God giftedly not, you know, physically talented like that. But I have been able to experience the other side for the past 13 years on every different level. And I, and I don't think people realize it. If you don't like, there's no way to explain a passion for something unless you are living it, it like living it every day. And as much um, crap that we go through in this right. business, and there's a lot of crap that I step in every day, there's nothing that I guess compares to what I feel like on a most daily basis when I'm covering sports and nobody yeah. can they nobody will ever know what I'm talking about because you know it I'll go through all the crap and then I'll be like but I love what I do you know and they're like what are you crazy and I'm yes. like no but it's just a feeling that I have every day I feel like I'm excited for something new I never get bored I'm 13 years into the business and I'm like I love sports I love covering sports and there's no way to explain yes. it so it's so cool to see you being able to experience it from the other side too, because there it is very rewarding. It's just in a different way. Yeah. And that passion word that you brought up, I think is big because you're absolutely right. Like there are so many challenges um, and, and there are challenges from everything. Like, you know, 
how 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 would you treat a you know suspension yeah. when you're talking about it on air or like how do I treat a poor yeah. performance by my team which I'm invested in um, you know all the way up to like you know let's make sure that we highlight X Y and Z because it was remarkable that it went on do you always agree with your producer you know all these different things and then obviously mm-hmm. the schedule and the timing of it's tough but passion is big and you know. Uh, from when I was in school, but also like when I was going through the draft process and I spent yeah. some time when you were over at 10 TV and I would hop on um, with you and Dom and Dave over there. It was something I always enjoyed. And now it's it's becoming a career for me. And I think the passion is absolutely what drives it because yep. there are a lot of other things I could be doing right now. Exactly. And that's what you live life for is to wake up every day and, and to have like a drive, a, a meaning, you know, like family and all that is incredibly important. But when you're doing this more than eight hours a day, when you're doing your job, you know, almost every day, you want to love what you do. So, mm-hmm. and we love, you know, doing this press pass, it's something extra. Um, but this press pass podcast that, that we do here, um, you know, every week for the most part, it's, it gives us another outlet to talk about sports, but be a little bit more loose. And that's kind of something I think we are going for in this 2020 season is just, you know, showcasing our personalities. We want to talk, you know, X's and O's as much as we can, but this gives us a time during the college football season, now that it's coming to an end, to kind of talk more about experiences and what we do on a daily basis and just more opinions as we come. And you know what I look forward to too, is now these guys, we get to kind of get ready for the draft too. Because before we know it, these guys are are getting ready to prepare for the next level. So in the next couple of months here, Joshua, I'm excited to talk to you because you went through the process. So it's going to be cool, like getting your perspective on that too, and what these players are preparing themselves for. No, it is. It's a, it's a hell of a process. I can share a lot about it. And there are probably so many aspects that people truly don't know about. But the other thing that's been really cool for me now being on the other side, you know, outside of football is some of the guys who I know played with guys who were GAs or coaches when I was at Ohio State now work in personnel in the NFL. And so I get to hear their evaluations and compare notes with uh, some of them on on the guys that are coming out across America who are some great players. So I'll have a little bit to share too with just some of the professional breakdowns and what I disagree and agree with or what you might disagree and agree with. But it, it this is a no. really fun time of year. I mean, football never stops truly, but this is like a great outlet, like you said, for us to talk about some of the stuff right? because, you know, Got an open platform. Right. So Hopefully we, uh, we have a lot more to come time. in 2020. We're excited about that. Obviously, next week, uh, we're going to be able to break down the, the national championship. So we'll have all of that coming your way next week. But hey, thanks for uh, sticking with us here. Welcome to our new listeners in the new year. Tell your friends about us. And really, it's easy to subscribe. And we like, I think it's our goal, like let's get some subscribers, some new subscribers here in the new year. You just go to iTunes and it's super simple. You just click um, subscribe and then, you know, listen to us, give us a rate and review because we always love that. And then you can also go and follow us on our social platforms because we're both really active, especially on Twitter. Um, I'm at Kayla Anderson TV. Um, and then our Instagram is at Press pod. So you can go on there and follow us um, on there as well. And then Joshua, people like love following you. You're very interactive. You, you, you like to stir things up, which I always enjoy. So where can the peeps go? Twitter, Instagram at RIP underscore <laughs> JEP. I, I absolutely love stirring things up. Uh, Twitter, you know, I, I, I respond to a lot of tweets 
that I get Instagram. I oh was just my gosh, some that was so funny. From my little school that was yearbook, so, so funny. I was get. like in tears. <laughs> I'm like, this is the best stuff ever. Maybe I need to like follow Sue and and post them just to just to compare. Because good lord, we went through some awkward <laughs> stages, right? <laughs> We did. In 2020, we have to reflect on where we came from. No, not for me either. Not for me. Well, this has been fun, Joshua. Um, Get some rest (laughs) this week. Enjoy a little bit of time off. And we'll be back here next week with another episode. You guys have a great one.